This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of News Hounds Podcast. I am Ryan Pitkin, and we have a very special Valentine's Week episode scheduled for you today with a very special guest. We have Christine Edwards, founder of Civility Localized. And you all, if you are regular listeners, have heard Christine's voice brought up, I mean, Christine's name brought up multiple times as she has worked behind the scenes on projects in all sorts of different projects that we've discussed on this News Hounds podcast. She is also my significant other, my girlfriend, the love of my life. But before you roll your eyes and turn off the podcast, I will say that this is not going to be a relationship podcast episode where we talk about how our first date was at a gun range and that was really cool or any of our other awesome stories. Uh, but I do, th- I uh, legitimately have always wanted to do this because I think it'll be fun, but also because you are a newsmaker in Charlotte and like I just mentioned, you're been behind the scenes in a ton of different uh, stories. So let's have a little, let's have a little chat. How's it going today? Pretty good. Um, thank you so much for having me on the show. I mean, I have to mention at least just something about, you know, us being together and just the level of happiness I experience, you know, in our relationship. So, you know, I'm trying not to, I'm just like you, I'm trying not to focus too much on that, but at the same time, be able to present myself and talk about, talk about our, our, my passion and and everything, but super happy to be just talking to you. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that um, from the sense of maybe to your chagrin sometimes is it does affect my choices into certain stories as to like, if you're getting media attention for a new contract that you got, whether it be it with the county, with the school system, with the whatever, then I'll sort of be less likely to cover it because I don't want it to seem as if I'm just giving you publicity as my girlfriend. And... We've had conversations about that. We don't need to rehash that rehash that necessarily as a conversation about our personal lives. But I'm curious your thoughts about, even on a broader level, you as a consultant agency, community outreach. Why don't you first, before we even get into that, and we're going to go all the way back to how you started, where you started, came up from Amplify to Civility, but even before then. But why don't you first give folks... Uh, a gist of what it is that you do with Civility Localized? Sure. So I'm Christine Edwards. I am a community engagement expert um, from Charlotte, North Carolina, a longtime Charlotte resident, originally from Norfolk, Virginia. Um, And I worked in primarily in local government, community outreach, community relations, and government affairs. And so in 2018, I started my consulting firm. It was called Community, excuse me, it was called Amplify Charlotte, aka Amplify Consulting. And in um, June 2022, we rebranded to Civility Localized. Um, as it's civility, brand new, folks. Yeah, it's brand new. I got to witness it all go down. It, it happened. It's... It has really taken off since the rebrand. I think the rebrand really reignited a lot of uh, interest, and it reignited my passion in what I was doing as well. So what we do is community engagement consulting. We offer 
survey research, neighborhood-based placemaking activities, which includes surveys, workshops, visioning sessions, and we work pretty much 100% with local governments. We work in partnership with cities and county governments to help them really build trust in the community because we saw that there was a need for trust building. There was a need for helping our communities grow with a sense of dignity and having um, people who are black and people who are, you know, multicultural and diverse that are out there communicating some of these really important projects out in the community. Um, And so I've seen both sides of it, you know, as a government employee, you know, for about a decade before starting my consulting firm. See, folks, that's a newsmaker. (laughs) <laughs> this is not somebody I'm just bringing on just to say, oh, my girlfriend deserves to be on the podcast. That's some cool <laughs> stuff. And I'm, I've always been proud to watch you. I don't think I really realized before uh, we moved in together just how much work goes into this. Oh, my and, gosh, so And much. just the, the stress levels of all the different balancing all the clients and getting all the work done and doing it all. Um, but I was curious, sort of what I was mentioning earlier is how a lot of businesses like yourself – um, work behind the radar, a lot behind the scenes, under the radar, whatever you, cliche you want to use a lot of times. Um, and uh, beyond even just the the broader problem behind, you know, women in black-owned businesses not necessarily getting the attention or even contracts that other businesses that are maybe more built in or sure. part of the good old boy network get. And we can talk about that as well. But even just to jump off, like, does it get what is it like for you to sort of be working on these big projects, but usually folks in the media want to interview your clients? Right. You might be doing community outreach or uh, placemaking or whatever it is for any number of your clients. If they're working, if you're working with the county, then people want to interview. You know, we had Jennifer De La Hara on, and we yeah. were talking about projects that you worked on. We've had folks from oh, well, that's the school system, not the county, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Things like all of that nature when it's like. Does it feel like erasure? Does it feel like you sort of knew coming in that that's your work takes place behind the scenes? Good question. So I I'm totally okay with um, being behind the scenes, um, and to me sometimes it might feel like erasure, but at the same time, as long as the community's voice is present, I'm fine. You know, it it doesn't matter at the end of the day if people recognize me for for our work on a project but as long as we made sure that the community's voice is highlighted at the forefront then I'm happy Um, and what that looks like on some of our projects is um, we don't do PR so I am you know as a business owner I've learned a lot about how uh, public relations work but that's not something that we do we provide feedback opportunities and we provide a voice and a platform for people um, and we also we also we offer advice to our clients which sometimes is the government but that doesn't mean that we're giving them PR strategy to make them look good right right um, and so whether it's a survey, that is really contentious. Like, for example, um, with the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Superintendent Search Survey. So Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools wanted to 
um, they're in the process of hiring a new superintendent, and there have been about five superintendents in the last 10 years in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, which is, you know, similar to what's happening across the country, but people are just mad. People are upset, you know, and I'm not here to make the school system look good. I'm here to go out in an authentic way and talk to community members about what their experience has been. And so sometimes, you know, I don't tell my clients this, but sometimes that looks like you're going to get yelled at, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get yelled at, you're going to get the finger pointed at you because of these things, because the community needs a, a place to release, you know, and a lot of times that happens in city council meetings or school board meetings, and it happens in a way that is just not the most productive, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to make sure that we're providing opportunities for really productive feedback. Um, And at the end of the day, our company doesn't have to be associated with that. It feels good when it is. Mm -hmm. But like, if you think about a large consulting firm like a Deloitte or RAND or KPMG, what have you, those are huge, huge, huge firms, but you don't know who the founder is. Right. Right? So a lot of times... I don't know those, I don't know those firms. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Delaware. I don't know. Those are the big, big ones, yeah. right? But you don't know who the founder is. And so a lot of times as a small business, um, you get put at the forefront because if your name is associated with something or your company is associated mm-hmm. with something, they're going to point at Christine, you know, at the end of the day and say, oh, that's Christine's project. You got to be like, wait a minute. You know, we (laughs) every time we go to Asheville together, we open a Mountain (laughs) Express and your name is in either the the op-ed. I mean, not the op-eds, but the letters to the editor. Right. Or in some other like little news brief. And it's not, it'll say civility localized, but it'll say Christine Edwards. Exactly. Exactly. Because, um, so I'll just give you some background on the work that we're doing in Western North Carolina. It has just been absolutely insane Mm -hmm. the amount of traction that we've been able to make and the relationships um that have come out of that um so i have to to take a step back Mm -hmm. go back to honestly go back to 2013 Mm -hmm. because i was an intern at the city of charlotte um i think it was i think i was in the housing department at the time and at the time deborah campbell was the um the planning director. Right. And so I was in grad school at the time and I thought I wanted to be a planner. So me and Deborah sat down and had lunch and she was just the nicest lady, super sharp, very sharp, very nice, and just really knows her stuff when it comes to urban planning. And so I, you know, we had lunch and I said, Hey, I want to be like you, you know, what do I have to do to become a planner? You know, what do you do? What does your day to day look like? And so we, we really sparked a relationship and a mentorship. And, um, ultimately I decided not to go the planning route, but fast forward to 2020, Deborah Campbell is the first black female city manager for the city of Asheville. Prior to that, of course, she was a planning director for Charlotte, but she also served as the assistant city manager for Charlotte. So we she had, was awesome. She was one of the first great. sources with the city. So um, I was very happy for her when she got that gig in Asheville. Yeah. And so we had that relationship, but I, um, there was an RFP available in 2020 and it was for reimagining public safety. And that was really about what does it look like to defund the police because of the um, reemergence of the social justice movement, which was prompted by the murder of George Floyd in 2020 and social justice and police brutality got put back on the main stage. And, um, 
the city of Asheville actually said, hey, we're going to listen. We're going to listen to the black Asheville demands. There was a whole list of demands. And so they were looking for a consultant to come in and do some community engagement, listening sessions, and really dig into the community and find out what's going on. Long story short, um, I've been working with them since 2020 in different capacities. Um, and that first project has to do with defunding the police, which is just the term itself gets yeah. people, white people's blood boiling. <laughs> uh, and we we were just eating dinner or brunch one time and opened up the Mountain Express on a random visit to Asheville, and people were mad in those letters to the editor. They were so mad. I think that... Um, you know, after we did our engagement, it wasn't a lot mm-hmm. that we did. We we did um, less than a dozen actual community meetings and touch points because this was during COVID. A lot of it was virtual. We did do some that was in person. Um, we spoke to the police department, and we spoke to a lot of community members in person as well. But the footprint and the impact we made, it wasn't huge, right? Mm-hmm. But we learned enough. We learned enough that the Asheville City Council voted to allocate nearly a million dollars mm-hmm. from the police department to right. other areas. And a bunch of officers like retired or, or left, left the force. Yeah. And like a show of yeah. whatever opposition. Yeah. And so that the blame got put on the city manager at the time and the blame got put on the consultants and, and everything. And but ultimately in the community, they finally felt like Um, bridges were being made between the community and the city. And so now, um, as a part of that, as a part of really looking at racial equity and racial justice in Asheville, they, the next step that they've taken is community reparations. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is how, you know, everything works out for a reason. So 2020 was the, uh, reimagining public safety with Asheville. 2021 they released the RFP for community reparations and I didn't go for it because I said, oh, that's a big project. I don't think I can do it right now. It just wasn't my time. What I did instead was it was really serendipity. So I ended up going for a Mecklenburg County project that had to do with participatory budgeting. Mm -hmm. Participatory budgeting means they set aside some money and you create a coalition in the community to decide how that money is spent. That was a really cool project. It was very cool. I wish the city and county would both do participatory budgeting on every year. Agreed. And it's and the thing about government projects is they sound so boring. Mm-hmm. And it's the boringest thing. But the list <laughs> of projects that the community came up with and added into this uh, ballot, if you will, whatever, for people to vote on, were cool-ass projects. There was stuff they like really cool. solar trees. And uh, I guess they, they passed over the solar trees because they already <laughs> do their own whatever the county. But there's all sorts of really cool Projects yeah, they that had came up with. edible um, orchards. Oh, right, edible shrubbery. I was wondering what was going, <laughs> what was coming after that? Like, like growing alongside sidewalks right, and things urban like that. And urban stuff. gardens. Yeah. They have ideas for like literacy programs and you know teachers, bus shelters, bus things. shelters, mm-hmm. um, community refrigerators, and things like that. Like that could really help support the community. And so that was such a fun project to work on. There was not a lot of media attention because, again, the government is really just very wary of 
of getting that attention, mm-hmm. right? It's like, because they, they're afraid of the blowback. Mm-hmm. But I, my job is to make sure that a lot of the community members got a chance to get involved. We got nearly a thousand votes at the end of the day. Um, and we, in terms of impressions, thousands of impressions, mm-hmm. we got thousands of eyeballs on this project. So that was 2021. It was a $3 million allocation. And it also was my at the time was my biggest contract to date. So I'm going to go ahead and pat myself yeah, on the back for that because absolutely. that was a six-figure contract. So very excited about that. Um, so then in 2022, this is how I know that God works my life because Asheville reached back out in 2022 because the woman that they had hired for the reparations project, she left. She ended up getting a job somewhere, and she created the foundation for the project, which was great, but it just didn't work out. And so then um, uh, uh, the city manager reached back out to me and said, hey, didn't you just learn how to do participatory budgeting? We have a similar project. Mm-hmm. And so they have actually all- allocated $4.1 million, um, and they have a coalition. They have a what they're calling the Community Reparations Commission, 25-member commission, just some of the best people, some of the best black folks that you will meet in Buncombe County. And it's a combined city and county project. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm right. managing, doing project management and coordination from Charlotte. I go up there a couple times a month. It's supposed to be once a month. I, but I it's, tag along sometimes because I yeah, love Asheville. It's so fun. It's We're really having the most fun with this project. And, you know, I'm trying my best to get, like, embedded into the community. Um, and... Full disclosure, I've also donated. I've donated to um, various funds for reparations in Asheville. Not necessarily. Out of your payment. Out of my payments, right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and as far as payment on this, I this is a this is the type of project that you just don't say no to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> is that just as someone and I don't expect you to speak for either Asheville or Charlotte government whatsoever and I want to make that clear. But as someone who's close to the project in Asheville, um, do you think it's anything realistic that we'll see in a city like Charlotte which has a much higher uh, black population percentage-wise, not right. to mention just total-wise? Um is it is it something that is would be too big of a project to approach in Charlotte, or is it something realistic that people should? I don't ever hear it even discussed. We right. hear, there's a lot of those repeat topics in Charlotte government. It's I just have never really heard it come up often in Charlotte. I think that um, in general, generally speaking, the Southeast is just a little bit behind. Who would have thought? <laughs> on a lot of. Um, a lot of really innovative ideas. Um, and so even just taking a step back from reparations, there are different ways to say that word. Mm-hmm. Community investment, participatory budgeting, budget allocation, equity investment. So those are really the keywords that you want to look for when you're thinking about if the government is really investing into the community. Um, I think like Evanston, Illinois is one of the examples that people think of when they think of reparations and direct payments um, or even universal basic income, which I think out in the West, I think in California, that has been something that has been proposed, universal basic income. But a lot of times when it comes to supporting the community, they wait until the very last minute. They wait until it's too late Mm -hmm. in order to implement some of these programs. But when it comes to um, 
restorative justice and addressing harms for black residents and black individuals in America, it's already too late. Mm-hmm. There's, you're too late, you right. know? It needs to be done today. It mm-hmm. needs to be done yesterday. And so I think that it's definitely possible for Mecklenburg County to take something like this on. And the reason that I say that is I've seen, I've seen um, these ideas come through. They um, hired a new, I don't know the, his title, but they hired a new equity and inclusion officer recently, and they also have an ad hoc committee from the uh, county commission who is actually exploring equity-based investments. Mm. And I think the allocation right now is like $2.1 million, right. and that would be going towards um, uh, government-sponsored projects, not necessarily direct payments, but sponsored projects that would be um, helping to uh, uplift and address harms that have been done to um, black right. black people. So let's we're going to bounce around some. Let's sure. let's rewind to uh, the beginning here as to you mentioned that or no, I don't think you actually mentioned your college education. You went to school with an urban planning degree, correct? So in undergrad I studied um, sociology oh. and African American studies um, and Anybody that talks to me for more than two minutes can tell I'm a sociologist. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a sociologist by trade. I love it. I love the way that people operate within relationships and systems. I'm obsessed with how cities work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can tell you what the different budget line items are for the city government. You know, I'm like a huge government nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my undergrad degree. And um, I graduated in 2010 from University of uh, North Carolina at Greensboro. Loved it. Best college to go to in North Carolina. Um, Then I moved back home because I graduated right in the middle of the recession. Um, I moved home for about six months until I got my bearings straight um, back here in Charlotte. And I went to UNC Charlotte um, for my MPA. And um, I earned a Master of Public Administration with a concentration in urban management and policy. So I'm not really on the planning side. I'm more so on the urban policy side. Mm. And um, I really did that. I went that route because I was really on the city management track. Right, yeah. You know, and I could totally see myself going back into government, like, at a management level. Um, But I really want to be – I don't want to be separated from – the community, right? right? I, would, I definitely want to keep one foot in doing some of that community organizing work, which I love. Where do you turn to stay in touch with the city around you? Broadcast news isn't what it used to be. And commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk about that, that uh, not transition so much, but just adaptation of how you've adapted your business because I think it's changed so much in the five years now since I've met you. Um, What was it about your work at the county? Okay, so you were working with the county. Yeah. The first time I ever met you in person, 
was at a event in Camp North End yeah. talking about art collecting and then especially in the black art scene, uh, connecting col- connecting collectors with actual artists and right. learning how to build those networks. Uh, tell me a little bit about the work you did at the county before really launching Amplify Charlotte, now Civility Localized. I don't yeah. want to get people confused. Oh, that's but that's good. how it started, Amplify. Yeah. But then uh, even before then, what preceded that? What, what were you doing at the county? So I actually love talking about this. Um, working at the county government was actually my dream job at the time. I started in 2016, and um, I was in a role that was changing. Uh, my title was community relations coordinator, and I reported to my department director, and my department director reported directly to the county manager. So I was like two steps away from the county manager. It was a very cool position to be in. Um, and Dina. Oh, God, she's awesome. She's, <laughs> she's so good, and I'm always so impressed um, by everything that she does. I mean, talk about a leader, right? Talk about does a high-stress situations. Did she announce she's retiring after a certain... I don't want to say that. I've said it one time about Spencer Merriweather, and I talked to him on the phone. He's like, why are you telling people I'm not running for re-election? This was years ago. I have not heard I of that. I said it on this podcast, though, so erase what I just said about Dina. <laughs> for some reason, I had it in my mind that I heard she was going to leave at some point. I don't, I don't know. know where I, where I got that. I don't know. She was, she was awesome boss. But um, So my role at Mecklenburg County was community relations coordinator, and we had a speakers bureau where I connected speakers from different departments to go out to the community. Um, we, I mean, we did a lot of projects. I, I can't really get into all of them, but I think one of the main highlights when I first started in 2016 was a uh, Brooklyn village mm. that was first starting to explore, um, you know, what it could look like in t- a decade. Right. Well, <laughs> and here it's we been, are. right. A decade later, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, still wondering what it could look like. Still. <laughs> um, but working on some of the planning for that, um, and 2016 was still when our we as a nation were very hopeful. Mm-hmm. We were Absolutely. a hopeful nation. We were a hopeful country. And then it just went to shit after mm-hmm. that. Um, but it also created a need for trust building. It created a need for digital literacy, government literacy, uh, mm-hmm. civic literacy, mm-hmm. right, um, and voter engagement. And so that's when I got to, you know, in 2018, I was like, I, I really love this stuff. And I think there's a need for it. Um, in 2018, I won a Night Cities Challenge grant, which is sponsored by the Knight Foundation, and um, started Amplify Charlotte from that $5,000 grant. And it was just a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, one of the projects that you might know from this grant was, um, I think it was called, like, Outdoor Living Room. That was in South End. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so this idea, I think that Charlotte in 2015, 2016 was really at a place where people were starting to innovate. Mm-hmm. You had all these co-working places start to pop up. You have a lot of young millennial entrepreneurs starting to really kind of make waves in the mm-hmm. Charlotte community. And so that living room idea or placemaking was one of the first. So I was like, that's a pretty that cool really project. Cool. I was like, well, what can I do to support that or do something similar but like do a spin that was on civics. Um, and so what I created was a toolkit. It was called Amplify Charlotte, and it was literally a box of goodies and a box of resources and information. And it was um, just information on b- about how you can 
reach out to the mayor, like how to speak in front of city council, like templates and, and I'm things gonna like that. I'm going to link that story up in our, in our, if you got to this podcast from our website, <laughs> I'm going to link that story up because it was literally one of the very first stories we ever wrote at Queen City Nerve was just like, a, I think it was just a Q&A yeah. with you about the toolkit. And you were doing pop-up events. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. doing pop-up events. And a lot of ta- a lot of people thought we were a nonprofit, and, which I think is great. I love nonprofits and I support nonprofits. But, you know, I didn't have time or capacity right. to start a nonprofit foundation. But um, so anyway, so we were doing these toolkits and we were going to different events and going to like open streets and things like that. And I don't know, it was very blurry. Between mm-hmm. 2018 and 2020 was a blurry, very blurry time for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and then we met at the end of 2020. Yeah. And everything was okay. And there were, honestly, 2021. W- no, it was at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. And this is like just a sidebar from the business <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm not even kidding. You know how they say, like, if you go through a traumatic time, you can't remember a lot mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Building my business and building the foundation of my business and being in a not so good relationship at the time, being disconnected from my friends, not having a good relationship with my family, like mm. I a lot of it is not even in my memory. Right. All, <laughs> all I remember is I was doing a lot of um, I was pulling a lot of all nighters, building the foundation. I had got my LLC. I started to look at different consulting projects and seeing how I could um contribute I was spending I was working nine to five still I was Mm -hmm. still working every single day but then every day after work around six o'clock I would go to advent co-working and I would work for three hours straight Mm -hmm. and so that's why I was comfortable leaving my job in 2020 right in 2020 you had the election you had the murder of George Floyd and you also had COVID and so I was working with some clients at the time that needed support and getting the word out, creating awareness campaigns, mm-hmm. building trust, doing consulting, right? And so that really started to get in the way of mm-hmm. what I was doing at my day job. And so I took the leap and I actually left my day job um, in August 2020. Yeah. And during that time in 2018, when you were double timing it, uh, is when we, Justin and I, were working like 18-hour days in Advent. We'd run into each other here and there. I mean, that was nothing. There was no thought process then about relationship, this or that. It was just, I'd see you in passing. Be like, hey, Christine, (laughs) I interviewed you once. Hi there. Hi. Uh, It's crazy because you met my mom. I did. I met your mom before (laughs) there was any ever thought of that. You had a pop-up shop at Advent. Uh, What was it it like for you to sort of hold those pop-up shops? Because what you do now is so different than the Civic Engagement Toolkit, but it's also related in the sense that you are working in very yeah. directly in civic engagement. Yeah. Um, it seems it, to me like there was just, it wasn't a business model, sustainable business model. Right, right. It wasn't a sustainable business model. And then I had to really put my founder hat on and mm-hmm. think about how can I make this sustainable. So I have this LLC. I quit my job. Now what? Right. You know, how I think that's can probably why people thought you were a nonprofit. Yeah. Because they'd go to those pop-ups <laughs> and be like, no one's making money here. Right, right, exactly. Who funds this? <laughs> so when I quit my job in 2020, I um, I didn't have a ton of money or anything. You know, I had some savings. I think I, I had a goal, like I had a savings goal that would make it comfortable for me to quit my job. But then that was also the same time that I got the contract with Asheville. So I was like, oh, okay, well, this will, I can float on this for a little while. Um, from a financial standpoint. Um, But then the same thing happened 
in, in Asheville, I actually did the same reimagining public safety for two more cities. Mm. Because, again, this was a huge deal. Everybody's talking about defunding the police. I had this a similar contract for the town of Chapel Hill, and I also had a similar contract for the city of Charlotte CMPD, which y'all might know as Safe Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And so the, the Safe Charlotte contract, y'all will not believe this. I was a sub-consultant on this contract, but my contract was a six-figure contract. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of 2020, I'm running through cash because I'm hiring contractors under me to help manage these projects. And I borrowed against my 401k, which good thing I had a good government job for the past right. decade because I could build up a 401k. But now I'm borrowing against it to run my business. And so then, again, this is another sign. Okay, six-figure contract, mm-hmm. do what you got to do. In 2021, I had hired like 12 contractors, but the only way I was able to do that is because of being consistent and just going for it, taking that leap of faith, right? And so, yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that the new business model. The new business model is competitive bidding. Right. And I mean, I can go into that. I can talk about that all day. I mean, there are just so many nuances as a small business mm-hmm. and as a woman business owner, when it comes to working with governments, there's a lot of opportunities available. Right. But there's also, a, there was some uh, controversy, it's such a corny word because it can mean so many different things, but there was a story or uh, something came to light just recently within the last, I don't know, six months or so uh, about sort of the city's, I think it was the city, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just sort of going on. No, I think you're right. Uh, Should have brought some notes in about this because I was thinking about it a little bit earlier today um, about some of the just disparity yeah. in in contracts that are awarded to bidders who are in women and or black owned companies which mm-hmm. you are obviously both mm-hmm. um, is that I mean have you found it difficult to work in that space with yeah. local governments I'm not even singling out Charlotte but right. that's what the story was about absolutely so the story you're referring to is not uncommon at all it it is not unique to charlotte Mm -hmm. it is something that um has been going on in terms of the disparities between um business opportunities for large male-owned white-owned companies versus opportunities for companies that are identified as minority-owned and woman-owned, and that are small. Mm. And so there's a huge disparity there. And um, there's progress being made, but it's still very, you got to stick with it, just Mm. like anything else, you know, when you're the other, you you really got to stick with it. Um, And you got to, you know, keep pushing them to to do better. But um, I have found it kind of challenging. Um, I feel like I've made the right relationships and I've positioned myself really well and, and made my case really unique because I do community engagement. I don't align with marketing or PR, which is a really um, very profitable field, but also a competitive field, right? So many people. So many. Gosh. <laughs> but, oh, my inbox. Right, right. I can't answer you all. I can't answer you all. So you really Sorry. have to stand out. You really have mm-hmm. to stand out if you're going to be in a space that's competitive or you can create your own lane. And so I've created my own lane in terms of community engagement. Um, and so 
but I still run into those challenges mm-hmm. just like anybody else. Just listen, even just this week I've run into those challenges. Right. Um, but the story you're referring to is when a government, whether it be state, local, federal, they because it's tax dollars, they need to make sure that there are opportunities for all to participate in a contract. And so the story I think that you're referring to was about some type of like leadership consultant that was awarded a contract that was not competitive. Nobody else saw the opportunity and, you know, they're getting upwards of $750,000 or however much. Um, And so, yeah, I, that's not, it's not unique to Charlotte. Um, But I, that's why I always, advocate for people to get certified, become MBE certified, get your hub in North Carolina. It's called the hub historically underutilized business. Go ahead and get your certification um, because that lets the government know that you're here Hmm. other than saying, Hey, I'm black owned. How are we supposed to know how many black owned businesses were started in North Carolina other than you getting certified, Hmm. you know? Um, And the other excuses that sometimes you'll hear is, well, we want to get a black-owned vendor, but they're just not available. There aren't any black-owned construction companies, mm-hmm. right? But the more that you get certified, the more that you can say, actually, we're here. Mm-hmm. We're ready. We do construction. We do professional services. We do all types of services, right? Research, data. I hired a, um, a black female contractor who does data analysis to, to run some of my surveys for me. And she works with NASA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're definitely out there. Um, and I think that you also have to be competitive on price. And so that's one of the things that that sets me apart also is that I'm not only a freelancer, I'm building a company. And so I think it's important to really position yourself as building a company and not be afraid to you know, say, hey, these are my rates. The right. rate is the rate, you mm-hmm. know. Um, rate just went up. Exactly. The rate just went up. Because of this interview. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. So, th- disparities are not unique to Charlotte, but um, I think that I always advocate for small businesses to to push for themselves. Um, I actually offer coaching and training services as well in 2021 because I don't I thought that the consulting opportunities were going to dry up because of COVID. It actually was the opposite effect. But because of that, I actually started to develop a curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I was actually, I had a sales coach and I was selling that curriculum on Instagram. But the good thing is that because I have that curriculum now, I'm able to license it out. It's actually called Public Sector Payday. And it's based on getting certified, marketing to the government, and learning how to develop a winning contract strategy. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big advocate for government contracts. Right. Well, something I didn't really think about uh, until you just literally said it in terms of making your own lane. Are there a ton of other, are there any other? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess there's consultants all throughout Charlotte in some capacity or another. Are there a lot of folks doing this specific community engagement work that you do in this city? No, it's just me. Just you. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to pretend like it's right. just me, but there are a lot of really just smart mm-hmm. people that 
work, they might not call themselves community engagement consultants. Right. Or just the fact that how we started this conversation, you work behind the scenes, so you don't, you're not aware of them all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are researchers. A lot of them are architects, professors, um, people that might work in media, mm-hmm. right? Um, students even. There are so many people that do important work in the community and on behalf of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. No, I, I definitely get that. But like even just, yeah, I guess doing the community surveys and stuff you do, I know of some, a few. Yeah, now that sure. I'm really I mean, if you really it. think about it, there's people that do survey work and, you know, research, community-based mm-hmm. research. So a lot of times when I think about longevity for civility localized, I think about what that can look like in terms of, like, software, Mm -hmm. technology. There are some firms out there that you can just buy a a license to community engagement software. Mm -hmm. So I I think that would be a cool uh, direction to go into. Um, There are some agencies in the Triangle area that do do a really good job of this. Um, But I don't know. I think I want to create a legacy company. Like, I don't want to just create something that... I can offload. Like, I want to create a legacy company. Same. You know, absolutely, <laughs> right? So um, that's that's what I think th- we're doing. I love mm-hmm. it. And to that, to that note, like, I hired – right now I have three people that I'm paying mm-hmm. consistently, right? Not you know, not anymore. just contractors mm-hmm. anymore. Like, I have three uh, team members, including myself, so that's four. But, um, you know, we're building a culture, and I want Civility Localized to be a culture that people want to be a part of. We actually are in the process of hiring um, two community ambassadors, part-time, seasonal, just to help with events. But I, they want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a culture that we're creating because it's fun. We're working on fun and interesting projects. It's not just projects that you're going out and handing out a flyer for an event. It's literally you're talking to people about changes that are happening in the community. What do you think about the blue line extension? What do you think about the gold line? Vision Zero, another thing you worked on. Oh, gosh, Vision Zero, Mm -hmm. right? What do you think about transportation equity and transportation planning? And so that is another area that I've created kind of a niche for, um, for Civility Localized, because so often the government is just going to go out and do one or two things and say, okay, we did our engagement, right. but with this Vision Zero work that we're doing with CDOT, um, we've been working, it's been over a year, mm. and we have been actually making waves, and I think that if we actually did a survey now, then more than 50% of people that we survey will know what Vision Zero is. When mm. we did the survey originally, I think it was like back in May of 2022, mm-hmm. less than 50% of the people we surveyed had ever heard of Vision Zero. But I really think that we're making an impact. And Vision Zero is all about reducing um, fatalities, traffic fatalities, and serious injuries on our roadways, whether it be through um, travel by car, pedestrian, bike, public transit, but just basically just making our streets safer um, and making people more aware. So. I've lo- I love it. It's so mm-hmm. interesting. And a lot of times you have the same disparities mm-hmm. that you see in other things. So, Absolutely. The, yeah. Yeah. Black, That's how black the males are. The wedge there you go. Began. Crescent in the Wedge. I know Axios just ran a story saying that that's sort of 
melding into itself now, but it still exists. You see the patterns where you see the patterns. The pattern is the pattern, and the filter is the filter in Charlotte, and it's a story as old as time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Um, Black males are more likely to be injured, fatally injured, in crashes, and the reason that that is is because of our infrastructure, because of the high injury network and the lack of walkable streets, the lack of safe streets, on our on our street network, right? And so when you talk about black males, black people, people of color are more likely to be seriously injured in, 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 in and die, right? And um, there's a great resource in this. It's called Arrested Mobility, even when it comes to policing, pedestrians, mm-hmm. right? And so, so, yeah, it definitely, there's definitely a filter of uh, racial equity on top of that, too, Um but yeah, that's mm-hmm. this is why I love this work too. Yeah, because absolutely, it's important. Yeah. No matter, I mean, regardless of how you know, we started at the top talking about it's not all about media attention. It's about the real work and the community engagement, literally, that you're doing, and it's super important. And that's why I'm so proud of the work you've done, and that's why I wanted to have you on here. Um, am I a better interviewer than I was in 2018? I think so. Yeah, I think you're definitely a better you interviewer. Just admitted that you don't remember anything that happened. <laughs> the trauma of starting your own company and leaving the county. So Listen, I want to expect was, you to really remember that interview. That was a very weird time. <laughs> For me, too. We were starting our business <laughs> at the same time. Um, all right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I literally thought that I was like, it's like we can uh, I'd tease her through this. We can play. We can be playful about it, yeah. and then we had such a professional conversation. Yeah, I. Think I promise I... we don't talk at home like that. Like those two, you know, those two newscasters who do the TikToks oh, where gosh. they talk like newscasters to each other. Yeah. I, I promise we don't have this professional of a back and forth at home. Well, when are we going to make our interracial relationship TikTok? No, that's so no. Cringe. You're not going to talk that's, about it. No. Okay. It's never been good content. Would you like to make an official statement about dating a black woman? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm happier than I've ever been. (laughs) Same. Because you're you. Oh, thank you. Oh, what are we doing for dinner? I already had the Valentine's leftovers for lunch, so we got to make a decision here. Oh, gosh. That'll be another 20-minute conversation. Before we bore the people too much, though. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Where can folks find out more about Civility Localized? You can visit our website at civitylocalized.com and you connect you can connect with us at hello at civitylocalized.com. If you are a fan of Twitter, then you would love me on Twitter. I love Twitter. <laughs> um, you can follow it's where we met. Yeah. You can follow me at M I S S Edwards C L T. That's Miss Edwards C L T. Awesome. Well thanks for so much for coming on and I'm sure we'll be discussing your work with other important guests coming on for years to come. But uh, I guess I'll see you at home. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Cheers. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.